there. So they soaked the sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk and a hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drinking, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. I had the privilege in, in, in standing next to people's deathbeds and in, 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 in helping the family when they're next to someone that they know is going to die now. Those are precious moments. Precious moments. It's difficult, but it's precious. At this scripture reading that we read, it is actually Jesus' deathbed. And it's very, very, very bad where he is because all the flogging, all the shots he's taken. I've read through some of the Gospels again, and I, it just struck me again that they struck Jesus on the head with a, with a, a, a stick. And it doesn't say once, it says again and again. And they blindfolded him and they punched him. And they mocked him and they spat at him. So Jesus' deathbed is completely different. I've seen people in suffering. I've seen people who are terminally ill, just fading, fading away, and the pain is managed. The pain of Jesus is not managed. He is in deep, deep pain. And to understand why Jesus said it is finished, I thought it would be good for us maybe to start in the gospel that uses this word. The other Gospels does not use this word, tetelestai. It is finished. So let's go back into John, and I invite you to go back to John 1, where we know John that well. It's one of the only ways, uh, one of the only Gospels that starts in this way. John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. Now skip to verse 14, and you'll see in verse 14, sorry, there's still a few people just paging, so I want you to read it and, and to listen it and to receive the word. So I'll start again. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Let's go to verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and the only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. While Jesus was walking on this earth, he showed God's nature, God's character. He spread God's love and he offered people eternal life. So if you read from John 1 further on, you will see that the main thing that Jesus is telling them is there is life, and it's the life from God, and you can have part of it. And then, if we just go back a little bit, John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus coming to him, he said, Ah, oh, there is the Son of God, the one who will take away the sin of everyone. So Jesus coming 
to show God's nature, wanted to confirm what God wanted him to do. He wanted to finish what the Father has asked him to do. So John is said, and John uses this terminology, that Jesus was sent from God, from above, to live amongst the people, to finish what God's intention was. So let's look at three other places in John. I want you to turn to John 4, where Jesus himself says something about finishing the work that God has given him. John 4, verse 34. John 4, verse 34. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me to finish his work. So what is this work that Jesus had to finish? Because if we skip and go back to where Jesus on the cross, he says, it is done. It is finished. Let's look at another verse, and I ask you to go to chapter 17, where Jesus, after he's done all his ministry, chapter 17, John chapter 17, after Jesus has done all his ministry, he went back to the Father, and he fell on his knees, and he just prayed to his Father, talking deeply, talking to his Father. So John 17, have a look at John 17 verse 4. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. John is one of the only ones that says, this whole thing of Jesus going to the cross, dying on the cross, is, is not, he's not focusing on the suffering, but he's focusing on the glorification, on the glory, on the triumph. And Jesus is this one who's saying, I have finished, Father. The next step for me, Father, is, is this brutal crucifixion. There was three ways that they executed people in, in the early days, in Jesus' time when he lived. The one was they cut people up. The second one is they burned people. And the worst of those two I've mentioned was crucifixion. The third text is the text that we read today. And it's happening on, on Good Friday. Jesus is hanging on the cross amid severe, agonizing, and torturous death. And he only speaks one word. It is finished. What is it that Jesus completely finished? The grammar that John is using here is actually saying, if you look at the grammar, is actually saying it's a factual state. And he highlights that it is a certainty that everything I had to do is done. Even the grammar that he used, the condemnation 
is over. There's no condemnation. It is done in me. It is completed in me, says Jesus. I was, it was successfully done. It is not like washing the window over and over and again and again and going to your garden and look at all the wheat and take them out and the next week they're there again. How on earth? No. Jesus says, it is done, it is finished, it's complete. What did Jesus finish? And how can we apply this, what Jesus finished, to us? We have to go to our Old Testament reading, and I invite you to open up the Old Testament reading in Isaiah 53. I will mainly focus on Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 is one of the places where all the Old Testament prophecies pointed to the suffering of the Messiah and where he accomplished and answered them all. Now, can I just quickly remind you about something? So now we've jumped from Jesus to the Old Testament and we are hearing the word Messiah. So let's just refresh ourselves. In the Old Testament, it's Hebrew. So the Hebrew for Someone who is anointed is called the Messiah. So in the New Testament, it's another language, and the language is Greek, and the word therefore is Christ. So if you talk about Christ, and you talk about the anointed, and you talk about the Messiah, it's just different languages. It's the same word, but it's two different languages. So the Messiah the descendant, the son of David, was the one who would, would everyone expected to them to, him to come and to free them from their enemies. He will sit on the throne of David and everyone will be happy because they will prosper and the king will rule forever. This was the thinking and is still the thinking of a lot of Jews. When the Messiah come, he will be the ruler and we will have peace. I once had a, um, a Jewish friend back in South Africa that I visited, and one of the first things he always told me, remember, I'm a Jew. Because he knew that I was a Christian. And as we built this relationship, I once asked him, why do you guys not believe that Jesus is the Messiah? Why don't you believe that he's the Son of God? And his answer was, there's no peace in the world. So the expectation of everyone was, the ruler will come. And that was the expectation that they thought Jesus will do. He will be the one who will rule. And we will have worldly peace. However, Jesus filled these Messianic prophecies in a very complete, different way. And therefore, we have to read Isaiah 53. The prophet who speaks in Isaiah 53, he knows most of the things that the people of the Lord went through. He knows the path of Israel. He, he has experienced God's wrath. He has experienced the, the, the nation's struggle. He's seen so many things. But Amidst this all, this prophet is seeing something else 
that no human eye can see. And then he writes down something which is unimaginable at that stage. It's unimaginable. What he writes down here, Diedrich Bonhoeffer, one of the German theologians, he also said, here in, in Isaiah 53, here the Old Testament is at its limits. Glimmers of the New Testament is visible. Let's see how visible it is in Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, let's have a look at a few of those verses. Let's start at verse 4. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. Have a look at verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions, and he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Have a look at verse 8. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet, who of his genera generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was punished. And the last one of the big um, Isaiah 53, verse 10. Yet, it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer and though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offsprings, prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. How on earth did they understand it when Isaiah said this to them? It was unimaginable. It was glimpses of the New Testament, and it was glimpses of the Christ to come, and he saw something of that. God has revealed it to him. We find something of these glimpses of the Old Testament in John. Because the people in John, if you read the Gospel of John, did not recognize Jesus. Not all of them. There were people who recognized Jesus, but they didn't want to follow Jesus. As was pointed out on the corner post. I've got a corner post here, I don't know if you brought yours with, where Mark wrote about this uh, conversation that people had on, on um, a program there, and the second last paragraph where these people spoke about how dangerous it is to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. The second last paragraph there, in, 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 he says, why it's dangerous, it alters us. If we reject it, it alters us as well. It is incredibly dangerous. It's why so many people turned against it. People turning against the good news, against Christ, against what God has said, because it's dangerous. Because it, it, it's just unimaginable. They can't see it and they can't recognize him 
after this all. People turned away from him. And this is what uh, Isaiah 53 says. He took our sufferings upon him. He bore our sickness. And through his wounds there came healing for us. What about the soldier? Remember the soldier? The soldier didn't know Jesus. He didn't recognize Jesus while Jesus was alive. Only after his death he said, truly, this was the Son of God. The servant in Isaiah was rejected and despised. He was a man of sorrow and he took the sins of others. Jesus connected these two roles and became the serving Messiah. And therefore, Jesus said, it is finished. Is this a certainty that Jesus dealt with all our sorrow, with all our illness, with all our sin, with all our iniquities? Here on the cross, at this moment, when Jesus said these words, he must have been close to dehydration. He must have been in a lot of pain. He lost a lot of blood. And still he says, it is done. In another context, the same word, titelextai, is used when you paid someone else's debt. The word that they write on that, uh, 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 that invoice was, guess what? Tetelestai. It is paid. It is completely paid. Now, we have to stop here. This is the Old Testament. The Old Testament, this is what Isaiah saw. This is what the Lord helped him to see. Let's just revisit it for once more. And stand still from verse 3 to 5 to see what Isaiah saw, who the servant will be. Let's have a look at verse 3, chapter 53. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. like one from whom he, his people, their faces, like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we consider him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Looking at these verses today, the cross can be a dead end playing with words. The cross can be a dead end. 
and for many other people it was. But Jesus completed the work and from God's side beyond the cross there is something else. And let's look what is this something else beyond the cross. Because just looking at the cross and that's where everyone stood, we've done it. He says he is, but he can't even save himself. So if we look beyond the cross, where God is looking from, we can go to the New Testament. And I'm encouraging you to open your Bible or your uh, Bible reading on your phone or where you read it at 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5. Because if the cross is a dead end, there's no need for us to gather here today. If that's where Jesus ended, if they crucified him and they buried him, there's no need for us to be here today. But 2 Corinthians 5 helps us to see something else that Paul helps us to see why did Jesus say, it is finished. 2 Corinthians 5. I'm going to start with verse 14. For Christ's, Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that the one died for all and therefore all died. Now this is the thing, what, what we've heard, that Jesus was the one that came and done the Father's work, but Jesus did something else that we can't do and he's replacing our guilt and taking our guilt upon him. Jesus is the one who's on the cross, and we have part of, he, of this death, of his death, of his crucifixion. So when we look at Jesus, we can stand there and we can look at him and we can be filled with a lot of sorrow. But Paul says, if you look beyond that, if you look on the other side of it, it's you that's in the cross. Because you are a child of God, it's your transgressions that put him there. It's actually you hanging there. It's actually you dying with Christ. Look at verse 17, what he says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, it's a new creation has come. The old has gone. There, the new is here. So it's not ending there. Paul is building up this, this whole um, story up in 2 Corinthians 5, telling us that there is something else. Christ was risen. Christ is alive. And because there's a change that happened in there, it's, 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 a, <clears throat> it's not just a transferal. It's a, it's a complete new creation, a recreation in Christ. And God looks at us and says, because of Jesus, this is new. You are new. Those who believe in Jesus are made new. God has made it all happen. Look at verse 18. Verse 18 helps us a little bit more as well. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now let's just stand still from God's view. Because of Jesus' death, because of his resurrection, 
There is a new way towards God. There is, Jesus is the one that actually builds a bridge towards God. I was um, watching the news. I was watching what happened in the mainland and in other places and also where there's war. You remember those, I clearly remember they showed some of the bridges and those bridges were blown away, some of them. Um, some of them were, went down the river and this is where Jesus is actually making the difference. Reconciliation between us and God is not that there's a distance between me and God. Suddenly there's 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 a way towards God, and this way towards God is beyond the cross. The way towards God is where Jesus is building this bridge, taking our hands and taking us along with him. Look at verse 19. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. The relationship with God is restored. All because of what Jesus has completed. Because Jesus had a mission and he went to God and said, it is finished. And he went through to the final stage and Jesus said, it is finished. Let's just go to one more place in the New Testament and go to Colossians. And from there on we will look, what does it mean for us? What does it mean for us? What is it, how can it apply to me today? Colossians 2 verse 13. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. The word Jesus used on the cross was emphasizing what Paul is saying here. God made you alive with Christ. He has forgiven you all your sins. It is finished. No one, no one needs to do it again. No one will be able to do it again. No person, no one. Verse 14. God wiped out the charges that were against us from disobeying the law of Moses. He took them away and nailed them on the cross. The charges against us are paid my current charges, my past charges, my future charges are paid on the cross. Now let's just stop here. Some of you had many Easter's. Some of you had a few Easter's. And some of us are still hoping to have many Easter's. What is the message of Easter? Jesus came according to John, to give us life. Jesus came to forgive our sins. 
Now we can say we've ticked all the boxes. We've read the Old Testament. We've read the New Testament. We've listened to Jesus. And now we can go and have a nice Easter lunch. And if you come to our place, we will have lamb. Because the lamb is alive. And we want to have joy because God has given us life. Now here's the question. We've ticked those boxes. So you are free to go. We can say, let's finish here. You've listened to God's word. But we have to stop here. Because there's an invitation of Jesus, and this invitation is there to you, not just on Easter weekend. Jesus is saying, bring your hurt. Jesus is saying, bring your anger. Bring your sorrow. Bring your sin. Bring your disobedience. I can carry it. Remember, Jesus is on the cross where we are. He says, I can carry it. He says, I want to carry it. No, no, Jesus, you don't know me. When Mark asked me to do this sermon, I didn't have a very particular good week building up to do the sermon because of who I am. But here's Jesus saying again, bring your deepest fall to me. Bring your most painful event to me. Bring your deepest mess to me. Now you see, now we are ticking other boxes now. The boxes that God actually did on the cross, the boxes that Jesus actually said. Now this is what I've mentioned now. Tetelestai. I've done it for you and I'm encouraging you to come and get your strength and get this life because this is why God wants us. This is what God wants us to know. Jesus wants us to remember. Remember the bloke who was next to me on the cross. Remember I said to him, I'll remember you. This is what Jesus is telling us when he says, Tetelestai, I will remember you. I will remember your sorrow. And I wish I could say a few names. I don't know everyone, but let's close my eyes and say, Paul, John, um, Sue, Mary, Anne, what's your sorrow? Why do you bear it time and time again? Listen to um, what Isaiah 53 says. The son, the one expected, he's going to bear it. So why do we suffer? Yes, we will suffer. But it's encouraging us what we can do. Jesus says, I will remember your pain. I will remember your suffering. But you won't be punished for it. 
I am banished. And this is where the breach that I spoke of beyond the cross, the cross itself is a dead end. Jesus dies. But it didn't end there. Because if God is looking, he said, my servant did what I wanted him to do. Jesus gave eternal life. Jesus, through the bridge that he built through the cross, his death and his resurrection, just didn't just build a bridge. It's a bridge of hope. It's a relationship that is open. There's an entrance to God. We can enter to God. It is completely paid. Come, stamp, tetelestai. Wow, thank you, Lord. Let's go. Let's say, tetelestai, amen, let's go. No, it's not finished. Two Corinthians 15, which we didn't read, says, in all this that Jesus did, there's one other thing that he also did, where he also said tetelestai for. He disarmed the powers of authorities. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Um, I think that I've, I've typed it wrongly there. Let's just read 2 Colossians, 2 Colossians verse 15. And having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he made public spectacle of, uh, spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So what does Jesus, uh, Paul says with this? In the eyes of the world, the cross is a mockery, but in the eyes of God, the cross is a triumph. Jesus actually, what they did when, when they triumphed over a city, when they captured the city, they at a triumph uh, through the town and say, this is the one that is victory. Now Jesus is actually, Paul is actually telling here that even evil, the mockery of evil, they are actually disarmed the powers of authorities. No power, tetelestai. Someone once said when we were back um, young, they said, you know what? Yes, Satan is there, and Satan is still active, and, and, but he's like a lion. But they picked his teeth. So why are we so afraid of Satan if Jesus said, Tetelestai, it's done. He hasn't got the power anymore. Yes, he tempts us. But his power is taken away from him. And his power is taken away because his power is settled in death. And Jesus is not dead anymore. In God's eyes, the friendship between him and us is renewed. The evil is disarmed. Death didn't win. Suffering and hardship did not have the final say because of what Jesus did, because he lives. 
And that's why, and I will still argue, we'll ask Mark, I know this is, this is so true. It's tetelestai, thank you, Lord. But today is actually supposed to be a joyful day. I, 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 I didn't uh, go up to the mountain like some of you did, and I know a few people um, of other churches go to places to see the sunrise on Easter Sunday to remind them there's new life, to remind them that Jesus lived. He is rose. But when I drove from uh, out uh, our house, I went and this, the air was fresh and I just said, thank you, Lord, for this day. And if you forget about Easter, don't wait for another Easter. Every Sunday is a small celebration of what happened on Easter. Jesus is alive. Thank you, Lord. Oh, I'm a sinner. No, God has forgiven you. Yes, you are a sinner. Yes, but it doesn't hold me where God doesn't want me to be. My debt. What about my debt? We didn't say much about our sin. I just went through some of your sorrows and confronted you with a few others. But God doesn't want you to go out this Easter and say, oh, tick those boxes. Thank you. I'm going to confront you with some more. And I want you to use this opportunity and to approach the man of sorrows, the man who said, I'll bear your pain, I'll bear your, your deepest, deepest mess up. I'll deal with your troubles. I'll deal with your even rubbish. Listen. Sin is finished. And an end is made to your transgressions by Jesus bringing everlasting righteousness. It is finished. The work of man's redemption and salvation is finished. And now you know the word. Let the last die. And Jesus died then. Everything. Go and read John 19. Everything was finished. Now you will say, okay, there are still things in my life that brings distance between me and God. I know about this breach. I know about the cross. I know that God is taking my hand. I heard what he said here. What is it that brings that distance between you and God? What is that dis what brings that distance between you and other people? If Jesus said it is done, reconciliation is in your hand. You are my ambassadors now. What we've read in 2 Corinthians 5. You are in a new relationship with, with the Father now. And then you will say, 
yes, but there are still those sins that you don't know. Or you will say, you know what? You don't know my past. You don't know me. You don't know my stories of abuse. You don't know my stories where I was bullied. You don't know my stories of neglect. Is that what holds you back? Is that what holds you back in saying, God, I'm not good enough for you to forgive me. Once you say that, you're actually saying, Jesus, you need to be crucified again. And Jesus says, it's not needed. I've covered it. And once Jesus has covered it, we can go through every chair here where everyone is sitting and the empty ones of the people representing looking online and we can go to your TV room or your caravan where you are and today it's for you. It's for you. Maybe you say, okay, <laughs> thank you you didn't touch the one that's difficult for me. What about the relationships that cause you hurt and grief and sorrow? What about another one that we know so good? Ourselves, our inner self, our thoughts, our deepest thought, our hearts, our consciousness, our conscience. What about your guilt? Our guilt is an ugly thing. It tries to come and visit you. It tries to make you feel guilty. It tries to befriend you. And guess what? Guilt succeeds. And guess what happened with us? We become more anxious. The evil wants to keep us in darkness. But the bluff of the eagle, uh, evil is out. Jesus said, evil has no power anymore. Tetelestai, it is finished. Why do we give the evil so much power? The power of the resurrected Jesus is what you have available. Now, I want to give you a little moment. I don't know your sorrow. I don't know your guilt. I don't know your most inner, inner thoughts about yourself, about life. I don't know your past. If it's neglect, if it's abuse, I've just touched on it. And you know what it makes you think of and feel and how draining it is if it's failure somewhere, what do you need to do with it? Jesus said, 
That's why I want to say to Telestine, come to me today again. And I just want to give you a little few minutes and just ask the Lord, if there's nothing coming to mind, if there's no sin coming to mind, if there's no guilt coming to mind, if there's no mess up coming to mind, just give God deep, deep thanks. Everyone, no matter how old you are, just use this few minutes to give God the glory. Remember what Jesus did when he was finished? I'm encouraging you to do this with the Lord, the Father, to give him glory by bringing this struggle, Easter 2022, back to the Lord. Use this moment just between you and God. And then I will conclude. Dear Lord, you might have just begun with us again today. Not all of us might associate with all the guilt, all the pain, all the sorrow because we've experienced your grace, your mercy, your love, your kindness, your forgiveness. And as we read in this passages today as well, even in Isaiah 53, your peace. Father, you love us so much. Thank you that we can come to you in this way. And even if you just open up something that we try to hide or try to forget or try to ignore, Help us to deal with it in your righteousness, in your kindness. And if we need to go to someone, if we need to go to another Christian to pray for them, or if we want to meet an elder or Mark or Angie or someone else that I trust, Father, help me to have the courage to die to say, I don't have to bear this longer. Thank you, Lord, for setting us free, for showing us 
grace, opening up a bridge to go to our Father and back to us again. Make us deeply, deeply thankful. We ask this in your name. Amen. I thought I would conclude with something else, but I want to conclude with with it anyway. Usually, when we eat the bread and we drink the wine, Jesus says, this is my body, this is my blood, it's for you. What you've heard here today, it's like Jesus sharing the Lord's Supper again. This is my blood. This is my new covenant. I've started new with you today. I'm giving you that opportunity. It's for you. Take it. Therefore, go out and live with the risen Christ anew this Easter, today, tomorrow, every day. God bless you all. Amen. Maybe I need to say to the last time.